Welcome to the Front Court Female Podcast. I'm your coach, Jillian, and I pick you for my team. You win in the end, so get into the game. Hello, hello. Today I welcome Liz Trains. She is a life and business coach based out of Chicago, like me. Liz is, how do I describe Liz? She is such a fearless female that I was instantly drawn to because she gives off this air of comfort with herself and this warmth toward you. This woman, she shows up fully, okay, and she really stands in her truth, even if that means that she disagrees. So I loved the moments that Liz challenged a thought, and she often um, she often steered me in two different directions. Look, this is what it means, right, to be a fearless female, to approach things thoughtfully without shrinking. We are here to engage with each other, right, and explore other truths than our own, and there is space for that, for multiple truths to exist. So I adore the space that she took up. I am all for taking up space. So Liz advises women who are stuck in creating the career that they want. So I, of course, felt free to drop the most random, like, career and life-related topics on her. And she let me do, like, a million jump balls in the conversation. So big ups to her for being open to all of that. We go into self-discovery. There's a little talk about the constructs around which we form our career identity. And there's some challenging of those. (laughs) Because, like I've said before, we've been sold so many lies surrounding our life paths that once we wake up to those lies, we're like, is this how it's always got to be? Like, this hard? Does it have to be this hard? The hustle, the grind, our worth of being found in our career, and make sure you're living your purpose, right? Like, what does that even mean? Now, I realize that you have many voices around you telling you that you're doing it all wrong and how to do it right. And the construct of many relationships even is, you know, your people will tell you when you're doing something wrong, oh, here's my objective opinion. That thing is wrong. That person is wrong for you. That that job is wrong for you. I love how they're judging you for the very thing they're judging themselves over. And nobody wants to admit that none of us know what is right or wrong. The voices you're hearing know as much shit about what's right versus wrong as you know and I know and that is nothing. So I want to challenge this narrative that there is a right or wrong way that you have to be on the grind. Work should always be hard. Rest is for the weak. You know, find your purpose because that's where your worth lies. So I'm asking you, what if we can relax? Because we get to choose, not the voices. So today I invite you to just relax with Liz and I. You're not doing it all wrong. It's it's not even that serious. <laughs> Your purpose, okay, your purpose is whatever you want, and it can change day to day. So I invite you to relax into the truth of your existence, of which you and you alone get to assign meaning and purpose to. Feel free. Settle into the comforting reality that there is no big should in the sky telling us what to do. (laughs) And here is Liz coming at us like a big, comfortable pillow of truth. (laughs) <laughs> she's probably going to think that's a weird description, but that's what kind of vibe she had. 
So Liz, I'm so excited to hear about your story. So tell us your story and maybe a big couple big lessons you took away that got you, um, shifted you into who you are right now. The, I think the biggest things I've learned are A, dream big, B, like you really get to make your life whatever you want it to be, like, which can be a really daunting idea, but can also be really liberating at the same time. Um, I remember being very feeling kind of in a box for a long time and like I had to do things a certain way. The layers continued to keep opening and releasing and realizing like the box keeps getting bigger and bigger and it's pretty cool. And um, yeah, you get to do whatever you want with your life. Just know that. Yeah. And like someone needs to tell us that. I feel like um, we don't, we aren't told that ever. No, I, maybe some I maybe some people are, but it's, yeah, I think it, it becomes like, for me, I know in college, it was like, I just kept getting more and more practical. Like I came in wanting to be a broadcast journalism major. And then it was like, well, that dream sounds like kind of miserable. Like I'm going to have to be on the, the news in some small town and it'll be like a 5 a.m. shift and it'll be miserable and blah, blah, blah wasn't worth it. You know, maybe it was a blessing in disguise. I don't know, but it was like the box just kept getting smaller and smaller. And eventually I was on finance and I'm, you know, going to get this degree and I'm going to get this job and I'm going to be able to pay my bills. And that was like the biggest thing for me graduating college. I really wanted to be financially independent. And as much as, I mean, there was a huge part of me that wanted to have opportunity and grow and be challenged in a lot of ways. Um, it was almost like that financial goal was at the top. Mm -hmm. So I kind of had to learn how to put that aside. (laughs) Yeah. Um, what got you into your business and mindset coaching that you do now? Yeah. So I think it's a lot of things, but going through, so I was in corporate America for eight years and went through my own personal development process to really learn what I love doing. So I was in an organization that gave me enough flexibility to experiment a bit, which was cool. And I learned that I just, I loved helping people. I loved training. I loved um, just hearing people's stories and really connecting with people on deeper levels. And I also had this like burning feeling in me, like there needed to be more humanity in corporate America, at least where I was. And, you know, it felt like everything is about making money and all these people are burnt out and miserable and all of that. So I kind of had like these, these ideas of what I love doing and got to do more of it. And this burning desire to like, in some way and incorporate more humanity into the workplace. Um, and realized it was 2014. I was in India on like a, a I was there actually for work doing a training and, um, teaching a training and realized like, I can't do this anymore here. I need to like go do it on my own. That feels like the most exciting next step for me. And holy crap, like I didn't make the decision that day, but it was like this light bulb moment of, I got to go, I got to go do something with this. Take a chance. I just, am wondering, was there a sense of like a lack of psychological safety sort of in the corporate world that made you want to leave it? Or, cause I hear that from a lot of people. Yeah. I don't, I mean, yes, for sure. I, it's what I work with a lot of my clients on. Like they don't feel comfortable speaking up. And some of them are saying, well, I've always had trouble speaking up, you know, 
but I'm like, oh, you know, like they remember being a kid and being quiet or, you know, having trouble speaking up in class. So I'm like, okay, yes. But then there's also the current day scenario too going on that is creating this lack of psychological safety in the workplace, which gets into, I mean, we have all the headlines to support it, like DNI, DEI, or whatever, whatever acronym we want to call it today. That's all about belonging in your workplace, like feeling like you are safe enough to talk. Mm-hmm. There's clearly huge issues. And I think the the labels are super important to bring out the issue, but I think a lot of the the simplicity behind belonging and what that actually feels like gets lost in the rules and the what you're supposed to do and not supposed to do. And yeah, I could go on a soapbox about that. But yeah, so when you talk with women, where are they commonly stuck? So uh, people come to me typically when they're going through some sort of career transition. They're um, either thinking I need a new role, I need a new company, I want to start my own company. And they, they're like, I'm trying lots of things, but nothing's working. So they're like kind of overwhelmed and they're not sure where to go. Um, and typically that overwhelm is made up of a not being totally clear on what you want and be just, I mean, that's a result of doing what everybody else wanted you to do for a while. You know, whether it was your parents or your kids or your um, significant other or, or just societal voices, you know, your boss, your, you know, all the people you come into contact with. So you're finally the voice that is like, but what do you want? I am asking what you want. Yes. But then helping people see, because they'll tell me what they want and then they'll have all the buts and the excuses and the, Mm. you know, all the reasons why it won't work. So we have to evaluate like which one is your true voice and what you really want and what's like the voice of society and yeah. So it's just everybody else. And you have to catch the butts and throw them back at people like, mm, no, I love that. But I've been coached by Liz and she totally caught me slipping, not knowing completely what I wanted, not being super clear. So got a ton out of that. Good. Clarity is like gold, it's platinum, but it's, it's not always easy. And people think they're clear. Like I'm in the dating space and I'm like, you know, what do you want? And they're like, oh, I want like, you know, a six foot six guy who shops at Trader Joe's. And I'm like, okay, like I could Frankenstein you a dude if you want, but when he checks the boxes, like, you you know, it's not, you're not clear. You're not clear. You're not going to know what it is when you see it. You're not that clear. So, I mean, people, clarity is a, it's a huge thing. Intellect, like a intellectual thing, but it's also like a, a feeling. Mm-hmm. I think it's like a freedom. I've never connected the two quite like this before, but it's like, I just feel uninhibited. Like I can do what I want to do. And I don't feel like anybody's going to like slap my wrist or, you know, say that's wrong or, you know, you're not following the rules. I think that's like what we're all craving is that, that freedom to just be and do and be who we are. I love that association because, and like the way you said, what does clarity feel like? Like, what does this man make you feel like? What does this job make you feel like? People haven't focused on what the thing they're seeking, what, what the feeling it would bring up. And that is clarity. So I think we're just going to jump to this question because I feel like you've led to it. And you talk a lot about this in your work. You talk about how do we find our purpose? Yeah. 
from my own work, I guess I look at it as kind of the intersection between your passion. So like things that get you excited, things that like, that you really care about, whether it's the environment or it's women's rights or, um, you know, animal rights, whatever. Um, so passions, skills. So like actual stuff that you've learned over time and interests. So skills, interests, passions, put them all together. You know, like how can you do and be all of you at once is almost like that alignment of the big things you've done in your life and how to make them, how to put them all to work at the same time. It gives you this flow. I think that's when we, we really feel our best, our most, most powerful and our most, um, our most purposeful. Mm -hmm. And some of that, I think a lot of, I know I, I used to hear people talk a lot about like owning your story and your story turning into passion or purpose. You know, what have you gone through in your own life that helps put purpose to the work you do? And um, I know that's become a huge part of mine is owning my journey and that becoming like, I love working with women. I love empowering them to own their voices and really be who they most truly are so that they can go be them and go impact other people. Mm -hmm. Help us all be more human, more loving, compassionate humans <laughs> at the end of the day. Yeah, that's not something you hear in the corporate world very often. <laughs> not that I'm, I'm, I'm in healthcare, but I, yeah. And like I was telling you earlier, earlier, that question in a way, it can be kind of a trick question, which again, to like make my comparison to my space, like it's the same thing as like, where's your soulmate? Who's your soulmate? You know, to me, I have a lot of soulmates. One of them is my friend, Lindsay. Like it's, you know, it's not romantic. It's not sexual. It's like, I have a lot of, there can be a lot of different soulmates in a lot of different ways. And then asking yeah. someone, what is your purpose? Like, why can't you just have a lot of different purposes and why can't they change day to day? Yeah. I think you can't force purpose as much as I'm talking about like, you know, going through and methodically designing your career to like bring out the best in you. There has to be that like desire and there has to be an, a, a quite an exploratory period to even get to the point where you are craving more method to the madness. Like we got to experiment. And I remember my therapist telling me when I started, even when I started my coaching business, she was like, you need to explore. <laughs> like you need to not like put yourself in another box right away and say like, this is your purpose. Now that you're a coach, you are this specific kind of coach and you help this specific person. Like go explore, go have fun. See what you're attracted to. See what you're excited by. Like go have some fun. Cause a lot of us haven't done that in like the career realm was like, you graduate college, you get a job and you go, and then you grind. <laughs> and the box metaphor is so real. Like I just have always had it instilled in my head, like take notes, take the notes. I'm like, why do, Why am I even writing? I'm not even like, I'm so much better not taking notes. Yeah. <laughs> so make sure that you're doing things by the book and then make sure that like you're doing what you should. And I'm like, who is this big should in the sky? Who's telling us what to do? <laughs> like who, there is no, there's no should. Oh my God, I wish I knew that earlier. Yeah. But your purpose can be right, like just to live in your truth and that can change, right? Like you can change your mind. Oh, you get to change your mind whenever you want to change your mind. Yes. Purpose. I mean, like purpose is living with intention, living like a conscious decision life is how we were talking about it. Like, you know, 
you're not just waking up and doing everything that you're supposed to be doing or that you're kind of floating through life with no control, no agency whatsoever. Purpose is about like owning the decision and saying, okay, I'm going to work today. Do I love my job? No, but I'm going today. Am I planning for my future? Yes. That will come this weekend. Like, you know, whatever's on your mind and just deciding that that's the way you're doing it and being 100% okay with that. You are so good at taking things, bigger pictures that are scary and, and making them smaller. Like, okay, maybe my purpose this morning is just to go to the gym and then have a podcast with Liz and that's my purpose yeah. for today. And then maybe tomorrow it's something bigger. Maybe it's not like it's, it can be whatever it, like your purpose can be scrubbing septic tanks, you know, for a living, if that's your truth. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with that. Just the point is whatever feels right to you, right? <laughs> It, well, and doing it with integrity and saying, this is like, I have met people in my life that have very unglamorous jobs, but yeah. they take pride in what they do because it's their job. It feeds their families. It, um, it gives them purpose because they have somewhere to go each day and they have coworkers and they have, you know, relationships with the people around them, whoever they are, you know, it, it is find what feels meaningful to you about whatever you decide to do each day. Mm-hmm. Feel that connection. Yeah, I love that. There's so much like in the world I hang out in, so many different ways of looking at purpose. And I really like the, the in, just intention and I don't know, just being okay with what you do each day. And that's enough purpose. Mm-hmm. It's been like floating around in my head. Yeah. Just like sort of the conversation on the masculine and the feminine in the workplace. And of course it starts with like, this is a big pillar of the patriarchy. That word sucks. The patriarchy is what? Like a social organization or, you know, societal bias, but it, it surrounds this. It has this feature of placing privilege toward a masculine perspective, right? It's a messaging of privilege that yes, like leans towards men, but it's important to note that like no one wins under the patriarchy. Everybody loses under the system. And the best way I've heard it described is like a distortion. It's really a distortion of masculinity. And we exist in this culture that places favor and privilege towards that distortion. And like I told you, I don't want to get too deep into that right now. But like what I'm referring to is not like a man favored environment, but that distorted environment where masculinity takes over and that impacts our lives and our psyches and of course our careers. Um, And just a really quick precursor, the masculine qualities, which like I said, are favored in our collective. Um, To me, what comes to mind are things like structure, planning, um, problem solving, linearity, and then like doing. So the feminine qualities, like again, not limited to women, include things like intuition and rest and play, um, sensuality, instinct, and then just being. So there being these two kinds of values and the system placing pressure on women to mm-hmm. like be more masculine and suppress those feminine qualities because they're considered weak. Rest should be prioritized. So my questions to you after this like rant is like, can you tell me about a time maybe you followed this pressure um, before realizing this is a scam and then, you know, incorporating like rest and, and like self-care into being driven in your career? Yeah. So... I didn't have this framework when I started to realize the scam. I had no idea what patriarchy was or like anything. (laughs) All I knew was I'm late. So what'd you say? I'm late to the game. Yeah. Well, more (laughs) not even that more like, 
Okay, I'm recognizing that me doing, doing, doing and burning out and um, just working so freaking hard and not doing the things I want to do. And I mean, I didn't even understand the concept between like doing and being mm-hmm. at that point in time, but I still kind of woke up to this concept of like, um, you don't have to work so hard to be successful and you don't have to work so hard to be liked and to um, to move up in your career. Actually, it's the opposite. Like, so I think it was as I started going through therapy and I started getting to know myself a little better, I realized like, I think I, I looked back once I got a big promotion. I was, you know, promoted to executive level. And I was looking back and being like, that was easy. Or it was like so much easier than my first promotion. I worked so hard. I had to ask for it. And I kept, I get, I got no after no after no, you're not ready. And bull, like, it felt like so much BS. And I was so angry. And I finally got it. And I was like, thank God, I finally got it. But the next one came out of nowhere and it was easy. Mm. So I think that was like, yeah, patriarchy. I don't know. It, I think the labels are definitely important to call out the issues. Um, because there is a bias for sure, but it was just this feeling. And I, you and I have talked about it a bit before, like you have to recognize it within yourself. Like, does it have to be this hard? Because when we're playing the game of patriarchy or of being completely in our masculine energy, which is, I agree, it's the doing and it's the, you know, just strategy and just being in our heads and thinking really linearly, um, our bodies start telling us like something's wrong, whether we're men or women, because we both have, you know, Mm -hmm. masculine and feminine energy. We need it to survive. So, and it's kind of like, I think I used to call it like the parasympathetic nervous system versus the sympathetic nervous system. Like sympathetic is go, 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 like fight or flight, like, you know, keep going. And sympathetic is like, okay, rest, it's safe, it's okay. It goes into psychological safety, (laughs) like all of it. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, I I think it was probably that second promotion that really made me realize like it doesn't have to be so hard. And I think that's what also kind of gave me the permission to start my own thing and to really set the intention that I wasn't going to bring all that really hard stuff and the doing and the overwhelm and the burnout, I was like, clear line, like this is not coming in. And it came in. Mm-hmm. I had every intention set, but I had to learn some lessons and I had to get really honest with myself that things were feeling like shit mm-hmm. and that there had to be better. But until we make that commitment to ourselves, you know, we keep playing in the same space and it takes time and it takes you know, a lot of reflection and just being present. And I think that's where like meditation comes in so helpful where you can just like bring yourself back to the moment and say, does it need to be this hard? No, I choose better today (laughs) for myself. And we all start to make collective change by being more mindful of that. Yeah. And that's up to us, right? Because I, again, no one is telling us that it doesn't have to be that hard. No, no, uh, you are, 
if we're in cultures that normalize that, it's hard to change it. So we have to give ourselves some compassion there to be like, all right, I'm surrounded by people that work so many hours and that don't seem to have the same like awareness of themselves health-wise that I do. And I need to not let that stop me from being me and taking care of myself. What approaches to burnout work in your experience and what don't? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think there's usually an element of depression and anxiety too. So I think for some people, it's like getting a mental health expert involved Mm -hmm. uh, is huge. Yeah. So hiring a therapist, you know, if you need that feeling like the next checkpoint for you is really important to go do that. Um, But I do believe so much of it stems from feeling completely disconnected Mm -hmm. and yeah, I think connection first comes from within and accepting like, this is what's happening to me, fully owning it and saying like, there's nothing wrong with me. <laughs> um, this is just what I'm currently experiencing and it sucks and I'm going to get through it. Um, and yeah, if you're safe enough to share that with people, amazing. Yeah. And like, how do you, you have a term hustle less that I saw in your work. Like, how do we prioritize rest more? How do we hustle less when all of this is so overwhelming? Yeah, it's, prioritizing yourself and making it little chunks of it. Like, yeah, I mean, you can take a vacation, but you can also give yourself that love in you know, 30 seconds or less to just say, hello, honey, I'm here. It's going to be okay. Whatever you're going through, we're going to get through it. Like it's this dose of self-love that, and it's really connecting with yourself. I mean, some people call it like your inner child, your, um, your truest self, your highest self, whoever it is to you, um, but look inward and give it to yourself in any moment. I mean, it's like, I did, I had no idea. <laughs> like Even like three years ago, I didn't know how powerful that was to just say, I'm going to stop focusing on everyone around me and just talk to me. Yeah, I love that. And I love how you said highest self, because that's actually how I think of it too. Like I think of this person and for some reason she's wearing white because that color looks the best on me. Yeah. I think of her just being like, I'm only here to make you live life in the fullest. I'm not like, you're never going to actually fall even when you're stumbling. And I I just think of that person as my highest self. And during those awful times, I'm just like, I'm not going to really fall. Even if I'm, if I'm stumbling or if if it feels really hard, like I know she's got me. I don't know if it resonates with other people, but (laughs) And it's go, yeah, it will resonate with some people and it won't for some. And then they're going to have a light bulb moment, like years down the road and be like, oh, that's what that was. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Like making friends with yourself. Best friends get uh, so intimately in love with yourself. <laughs> yeah. Like, what do you need? Okay. You're burnt out. What do you need? Like from me. Right. <laughs> it's all, that is like the cure to so many of our problems because mm-hmm. we, and, you know, we, we just focus on what we need to do and what other people are telling us to do. And there's, and we will also want to belong to the groups we're hanging out in. So we do look to others for, you know, social cues and activities, whatever, all these different things that lead us to choose hanging out with people over hanging out with ourselves. And, but it's a balance. Mm-hmm. 
you know, we do both. We need as humans to have a relationship with ourselves, but we also need to be in relationship with people. So figuring out our balance and sometimes, um, sometimes we got to focus more on ourselves. Outsourcing is like, let me outsource this to the next career goal I hit or the next promotion, like your experience at that. I mean, you, you end up having to turn inward, you know? Eventually. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I call it like a lot of people, we talked about freedom earlier. Like we all just really want to free, feel free at the end of the day. And I think when we find that we feel fulfilled. So those so are like, give ourselves that right. Yeah. How can no we give ourselves that freedom? Right. And we got to figure out what, what we want and need in order to feel free and fulfilled. So yeah, you can figure it out earlier. You can, I think there has to be like, I think about this sometimes, like there is an element of, you know, trying things and looking to find the people that you feel like you belong most with. And sometimes that's around a cause or a mission or, you know, so there's the balance of like, looking inward and then going out and trying something and then looking inward again and then trying something again so that eventually you get to that place of freedom and fulfillment hopefully consistently yeah I love that you say it like it's a balance because I think on this podcast like something that I've been concerned about is like I come off as almost anti-relationship because I'm so like turn inward manage your internal conditions first examine those and then it's like I don't want to come off like I'm saying don't make connection Cause we right. need connection in order to manage our internal conditions. We need to like, see, like have relations and, and see what that brings up for us. And yeah. So I love that you say it's a balance like that. Yeah. And I know from my own journey, like I've sometimes like forced myself to, you know, go on the date or go on the, it wasn't interviews for entrepreneurship. What do you call it? Like go meet potential colleagues or partners or whatever. Yeah you know, just like, go keep putting yourself out there. And I had to learn like, no, don't do it because somebody else told you to do it. Or you feel like you should do it. Like we're talking about shoulds, mm-hmm. um, go cause you want to and stay in cause you want to, you yeah, know, like what is your body? telling? Yeah. Yeah. And keep looking inward until you get inspired to go out there and do the things that inspire you not just the, well, I feel like I should be doing that because this is what I do for a living, or this is my timeline with getting married and having children. So yeah. Timeline is just like the big shit in the sky, like the big (laughs) timeline, um, on a cloud, like, or wherever. No, it doesn't exist. No, no. I don't want to say like patriarchy again, but to be like, what is being a valuable, worthy woman in this society, which is patriarchal. That is the society we live in. A woman thinks I have to be Beyonce levels of self-sufficient and self-satisfied, right? Okay. Disclaimer, like I, I'm not going to diss Beyonce. I'm not, I'm not going to diss Beyonce. Like, obviously I love her. She's queen B. I'm not here to diss her. Um, I'm just throwing this into our conversation because I experienced this massive, um, I've heard referred to as a pendulum swing, right? So that was once I became like a self-improvement oriented type of individual, I identified my patterns. Some of them were codependent types. Some of them were whatever constructs of people pleasing. I swung to the opposite direction really hard. I took a hard and I became like hyper-masculine, super hyper-independent, over the top Beyonce-ism, like where I would 
literally, and I'm not proud of this at all, but I would, I spent some time where I would look at another girlfriend, she would get into a relationship and I'd be like, there goes another one needing a man. There she goes. Oh, well, I got my own, you know, I have to make sure that my career is prioritized over everything. So I can always have my own, like, this is my worth. And uh, like, I had to realize my power doesn't lie there either. Yes. I realized my power does not lie in people pleasing, but I didn't get to like escape like that by swinging hard left to place my worth out. It was still placing, it was still outsourcing, right? Cause I was still placing my worth outside of myself, even if yeah. it was, was in a different way than before, it was still false power. So I had to wake up to the truth that like, when you obsessively swing away from something, that thing still has you. Yeah. Right. So like, it's so that, you're like rebelling against the old self that, or the old false self that was doing what everybody else wanted, not doing what you wanted and you're angry about it. So you rebel. Once you realize that it is very anger inducing. Like I went through my version too. Like how much of, <laughs> I've had so many chapters of re rebelling against specific people. I mean, it's really just against myself, but right. you know, outwardly, like parents, siblings, friends, uh, systems, whatever we do, we swing the other way, but I think the, and that's totally normal. It's like, we got to balance it out. But once you realize, oh my God, I'm fully in rebellion mode and I'm not getting anything I want over here. <laughs> like this is for me, it just, I was always angry and I didn't feel good. Like, and people didn't want to be around me either. Like, I was like, I couldn't fully see it in the moment, but I was like, I don't like me right now in this rebellious mode. And some people, I don't know, they seem okay in it, but I'm not for an extended period of time. When I am angry, I mean, I know it. And I'm, I look inward and I say, okay, what am I angry about? And what am I, you know, what am I trying to control here? What am I trying to, um, what do I need to feel? What am I actually sad about deeper? Because mm -hmm. usually when there's anger, there's like a hurt hurt uh, part of ourselves that needs to be honored. And when we honor that hurt part of ourselves, the pendulum starts to swing back to the middle. Oh, yeah. And control was a great word to use because I mean, you kind of identified it. Like it, it is, it's a sense of maybe like wanting control after being a people pleaser when you had none and then swinging yeah. into the state of obsessively trying to control things. Like you realize all your power was outsourced to you know, the people that you were pleasing, they were doing the best they could. You know, they, I, most people are not like truly trying to steal your power and like, have you become a people pleaser and do everything they want you to do. Um, so there's like that level of forgiveness there, but the forgiveness doesn't come before you're like, I'm angry. And I'm like scared of that happening again. Like, I don't want that anymore. So yeah. You I love that you identified the anger because that's so important. And it's like, you don't have to hate that. It's like sacred anger. Like it's, it can be positive. Yes. Anger can oh be my positive. God. So right. I was just talking about that with my client before we got on the phone about like the two levels or two pieces of anger there are. There's that sacred. And I think whenever you get angry, there's a level of like, okay, boundary is about to be crossed or boundary has been crossed. And that's like, that's anger. Sacred anger keeps us healthy, keeps us safe. Like we need that. But then there's the level 
of like, okay, I got angry and I can't let go of it. Like it is like taking over my entire brain and I can't, I can't let go. I'm like fixated on what everyone else is doing. And it's like trigger anger, dirty anger. Some people call it. That's the part where there's like a lot of hurt that needs to be listened to and to be, you know, to get curious about so that you can heal that and more easily let go of those moments that trigger you. Yeah. Cause living like that is so unsustainable. I mean, that's why I woke up to it and I'm like, wait, looking at all these people and deciding that what do I think I'm better than them? Cause I don't need a man quote unquote, or I don't need anybody. Not even true. Like that's yeah. just super ma- That's hyper masculine too. Right. I guess. And, and just, it's unsustainable and it's just straight up. Not true. Right. I think it's, it's all how it feels to you. You're yeah. like, this doesn't feel like truth to me. <laughs> this doesn't feel like my way of being. So yes, exactly. So I love this question. Yeah. Like I love the question, you know, where do you place your worth? And for you, it's probably, you're probably dealing with a lot of clients like are, or do you deal with a lot of clients that place their worth in their job? Some, yes. They're working to let go of that and really placing their worth on who they are as humans and staying in a line while finding, you know, their own voice, their own confidence and their worth from internally. And I, like I talked about with COVID and finding my groundedness and my centeredness, like the more we do that, the more we identify who we are as people and we can like let go a little bit of the external things that have defined us as who we are, but you got to get to know yourself, which is not always the easiest thing. (laughs) Oh oh my gosh. Stepping toward yourself is scary, especially when you're like that, like, oh, I'm angry. I have to step toward it. Ah, yeah. Yeah. We're talking about this lightly. Like this is not easy stuff. So anyone who's going through the, yeah, just the ups and downs of that and the the pain that comes up, it's hard. Like when people just say, focus on the future or be positive or I'm like, okay, you haven't done your work or you're just a very light person naturally. I don't know. And something like, I guess that helps me is, I don't know if I, so if someone asks, if, if you ask me as my coach, like, where do I place my worth in my career? Like, is it in the rejections or, or the times that I tried, if that makes sense? Do I place my worth in the rejection of a promotion or do I place my work in the fa- worth, sorry, in the fact that I tried to get a promotion that I like put forth effort. I just wonder yeah. if, if putting our worth in, in the efforts we make and the times we tried, not yeah. in the outcome. Yeah. Yeah. It is a big shift. I think it's in the trying. Yeah. You put yourself out there, but I think that the worth comes from like recognizing that everything is learning. It's like everything's data to help you become a greater, um, more expressed, more light filled version of yourself is how I think of it. And you've got to, yes, align with that idea. Like, okay, I'm becoming more me today. I'm getting better at being me and being me maybe in this job right now or that job or whatever. Well, I want it to be this job and I'm trying and, you know, I'm like chipping away at becoming good at that thing. Or, you know, I'm really trying to get into this new field. Like, okay, maybe I don't know that much about it. Or maybe there's a lot of companies I don't know. And I don't have like warm connections at those companies. Like, I might have to go through a few tries and learn before I'm going to actually get the job I want. And maybe, you know, maybe it's going to take even longer. Who knows? But it's like, 
you need a commitment to staying the course, but then always just saying like, what can I learn from this moment? What can I learn from this experience and say, I'm moving towards the thing I want. And that is a process. And sometimes it's longer, like we were talking about timelines. Sometimes it takes longer than you think. Yeah. And that's where your worth is trying. I love that. And I love how you said I'm becoming more me today. Cause I think I'm going to take away from this conversation today. Like just, and you are who have told me to go baby steps. Cause I want to skip rungs on the ladder. I think if I can say, how can I become 1% more Jillian today? And yeah. then tomorrow, how can I become one more, 1% more Jillian? It's like that. I really like how you, how you simplified it like that. Good. Yeah. It's, I mean, I've been both places of, I need to take massive action. And, you know, I quit my job without a job lined up. I had quite a runway of income saved up. So there was that. <laughs> it's like no real plan. Everyone tells you not to do. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't tell people to quit that way because it's, um, I mean, unless they, they really feel that's their way, but a lot of people are like, Oh, that scares me. And I'm like, don't do that that way. Take your baby steps. You know, we need to hear that us overpassionate people like me who are like, oh, but I want to be at step 20. We need to hear you say, but you're at step two and it's okay. Process and doing the work to get to step 20. I mean, it takes time. Like, I love the story that Sarah Blakely tells about um, Spanx. I don't know if you're a fan of hers or know her. She built Spanx, which is just a huge company, but I mean, she's now doing women's empowerment and stuff. I got Um, her Spanx this year. Thank you, pandemic. Yeah. Like whether or not you agree with Spanx and body positivity, whatever. The story I like about her is um, that she kept trying and she didn't take no for an answer. Like she called Neiman Marcus hundreds of times and they were the catalyst for her company's like exponential growth, you know, but she literally called the buyer, probably multiple buyers, like hundreds of times. And they said, no, no, no. And eventually they said, you know, you've been really persistent. Like you're really annoying, but let's give it a shot. Let's try it. And eventually it worked, but she was just so committed to the process that she, she wouldn't stop. And she didn't let the no get her down. And it was hundreds. So just like put yourself in those shoes anytime you're like, but it didn't work the first try or the second try or the fifth try or whatever. It's like, you learn something new each time you say it a little bit differently, or you connect a little bit differently with the people. And then if you want it bad enough, it happens. Yeah. I love that. So you're kind of saying like, get used to failure because the more times it happens, the closer you get. It's all learning. Mm -hmm. I don't even think about it. I sound too goal oriented, even saying like the closer you get to what you're saying, enjoy the journey and be present. (laughs) Yes. But a lot of people aren't at that stage where they're like, fuck off, Liz, enjoy the journey. Like, (laughs) that's where I am now. So I can't, what'd you say? I know we're all like, tell us how to get there. When you coached me, I was like, tell me how to get there, Liz. And you're like, okay, I can't do that. So you need to step <laughs> off. Like your legs don't fit the rungs you're trying to get to. But it's like, you know, within you how to get there, but it's like, you can only take the next right step. Can I tell you this story? I, this just came to me and I feel like you would appreciate this. This one of my favorite little things. And I forget who told me this. I, it was like years ago. Somebody told me the story and it's called <laughs> Michael Jordan with amnesia. So Michael Mm -hmm. Jordan gets amnesia, right? And he goes and works at a gas station. So somebody like comes to the gas station. They're like, oh my God, Michael Jordan, like, why are you working here? You're the greatest basketball player on earth. And he's like, 
what the hell are you talking about, man? Like, I got to pay my bills. I got to work at this gas station. And and the, the the guy is like, no, no, you like, you need to be on a court playing basketball. You're the greatest there is. And he's like, Michael Jordan is like, get out of here. Like you sound insane. You know, I love that story. Cause it's like, sometimes you don't even like, you're in your own way. You don't even see your potential. Like you just, you don't yeah. even see it. Yeah. Michael Jordan with amnesia. <laughs> yeah. That is so funny. I forgot the amnesia part. I was like, I don't get it. Ah, he's just completely forgotten that. Yeah. He belonged there and like that. I just love it. I just felt like it needed to be said. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, and it's interesting to me, like I have told you about this, how like, well, you know, you're you're the business coach and then I'm the new dating coach. And like in dating, there's so much about sticking to your standards. And it's like, you see that everywhere. Women are like, stick to your standards or else. But then how many people are saying that in our careers? Like, why do we accept so much less in our careers? Because I think we're we're so stuck in our heads. We don't, we're saying stick to your standards, but like, are we living them? And what does that even look like for you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what does it feel like for you? You know, I, that like voice and that frequency to me sounds like you're just saying it and you're not living it. And maybe you're living it in your dating life, but I don't know, there's an element of fear coming up. To me, yeah. like mm-hmm. more fear induced than like confidence, like I'm living my standards. <laughs> Feels like a bigger fallout maybe. Yeah. Like a, you need to reconnect more with what you want and who you are and get a little more vulnerable, mm-hmm. reconnect with a part of yourself that's hurting. So you identify as a recovering perfectionist like me, right? Mm-hmm. that's why you're a soul sister. Um, I learned that procrastination is actually a symptom of being a, per- uh, of being a perfectionist. And when I looked into it, it's like perfectionists hold themselves to this high standards, obviously. So they avoid tasks and I do this. So I'm like, no way we avoid tasks or put them off because of a fear that we won't be able to achieve good enough or perfection or what we want. Right. So it's yeah. like a better option to, to not even risk it. Yeah. So can you speak on like being a perfectionist and um, well, the way you put it is when perfectionism hijacks our lives um, and how we move from procrastination to like productivity. Yeah. Without so, <laughs> need, so I think it's really important to know why you're doing it. Like, what is this thing that you need to get done? It may be some, it's usually something you really don't want to do, but usually it's aligned with like a bigger goal of yours. So like reconnect with like, okay, what's the bigger purpose here what's the bigger reason behind like getting this thing done and then looking at like okay what what am I so afraid of here (laughs) like what what's the story behind not doing this you know what happens if what happens when I procrastinate how horrible do I end up feeling I remember in college like I'd end up you know doing the paper at 4 a.m every time because I was just so such a procrastinator and it made me feel horrible. So like recognizing that's the cycle, that's the pattern you get yourself into with procrastinating and then break it into little chunks. Cause assuming this is something that, you know, matters to your job or it matters to your next step, whatever, break it down into small steps. Mm. Cause you don't have to do it all at once. And usually it is a paper or like some big project you don't know how to do. And we are afraid like, we're going to be exposed for not knowing how to do the thing. Right. They're going to figure out that I'm not perfect. And that I actually have no, a lot of times it's something you don't know how to do. And you're going to have to ask for help with it. That's like a huge thing. It's like, okay, I'm going to have to get vulnerable and ask my coworker or my, 
you know, significant other, whatever, for help. Because a lot of times we can't do the thing on our own. And that's the, that can be the hurdle a lot of the time. So breaking it down to steps and admitting that you need to ask for help. Is asking for help, um, is a struggle with asking for help also a symptom of perfectionism? I think so for sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that explains a lot too. Well, we feel like we have to do it all ourselves. And if we can't do it all ourselves, then we're not perfect, you know? Mm-hmm. But the key to ending perfectionism is to start letting go little by little and asking for help where we can and delegating and connecting. Like you talked about recovering from burnout by connecting with people. Mm-hmm. The same. We're here to do. We're here to connect. We're here to connect. And perfectionism is lonely. It is. that. Wow, that's really powerful. And none of us know what the fuck we're doing. So that's like something that, that we forget. <laughs> No one does. No one knows. And usually when you come from a place of vulnerability, the other person gets vulnerable too. Even if historically they've been very, very straight edged and, you know, perfectionistic as well. (laughs) But like you did, you got vulnerable and had the courage to, you know, speak up and say, this is freaking hard. Are you okay? I'm not okay. Yeah, that was such an interesting conversation to start having because people were like, I think something's wrong with me, but everybody said the same thing. So it was like, okay, nothing is wrong with any of us. This is just burnout. We're just human and we're in a really tough situation. It's hard. So, okay. I forgot to warn you about this question, but this, my question for you is what would you go back and tell the most stuck version of you knowing what you know now? After that conversation, after our just recent conversation, I'm like, ask for help. Mm. ask for help um I think a big one is you're not doing it wrong I think so much of my growth has come from letting go of that voice in my head that was telling me like I literally felt like I was just doing life wrong for so long like everything (laughs) like dating being a daughter being a sister being a friend um being in corporate America being an entrepreneur, it was like, that was the voice that haunted me all the time and learning to love it and let it go. You're not doing that. it wrong. So your team ask for help. That's your team. I love that. So what are you working on right now? Where can we find you? How can somebody who wants your um, expertise find it? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram. My handle's Liz Trains, my name. And then my website's LizTrains.com. I am, I'm really focused on -on one-on-one coaching right now. So working with my clients in three months and six month uh, programs to help them make career and personal life changes, but mostly, mostly career. Um, Yeah. So yeah, reach out through my website or DM me. I'm, I'm always hanging out in those two places. And you have such great content that you put out and just, I, yeah, I, I watch you at lunch. To like get centered. <laughs> All good. Yes. Thank you so much. And I, yeah, I know we covered so much, but and you're so fascinating to talk to. So thank you so much for your time. Like it just means so much to me. I love talking to you. This was. I love what you're doing. Keep having these convos. I feel like they're so valuable and and they're fun for me. So. Thank you. Thank you.